0: The old mail sled running between Haney and Le Bleu, in the days when Dakota was still a territory, was nearing the end of its hundred-mile route. Dakota was a desolate country in those days. Geographers still described it as the great American desert. Never was there anything as lonesome as that endless stretch of snow, excepting the same desert burned brown by the hot wind of summer. "'nothing but sky and plain, and its voice, the wind, "'unless you might count a lonely sod shack "'miles away from a neighbor, miles from anywhere. "'There were three men in the sled, "'Dan, the mail carrier, crusty, belligerently western, "'Hylas, a younger man, hardly more than a boy, "'living on his claim near the end of the stage-line.' The third, a stranger from the East. He had given his name as Smith and was as inquisitive about the country as he was silent about his business there. Dan plainly disapproved of him. They had driven the last cold miles in silence when the stage driver turned to his neighbor. Letter didn't say anything about coming out to look over the country, did it? Hylas shook his head. It was like all the rest, Dan don't want to build a railroad until the country's settled. Can't they see the other side? What it means to the folks already here to wait for it? The stranger thrust a suddenly interested face above the handsome collar of his fur coat. He looked out over the waste, waste of snow. You say there's no timber here? Dan maintained friendly silence. Unfriendly silence, and Hylas answered, Nothing but scrub at the banks of the creeks. Any oars? Mines? The boy shook his head. We're too busy wrestling for something to eat first, and you can't develop mines without tools. Tools? Yes, a railroad, first of all. Dan shifted the lines from one firm hand to the other as he looked along the horizon a bit anxiously. The stranger shivered visibly. It's a godforsaken country. Why don't you get out? "'Hylas, following Dan's glance around, "'the blurred skyline answered absently. "'Usual answer is, leave? "'It's all I can do to stay here.' "'Smith looked at him irritably. "'Why should any sane man ever have chosen the frozen wilderness?' "'Hylas closed his eyes wearily. "'We came in the spring.' "'I see,' the edged voice snapped. "'Visionaries!' "'Hylas's eyes opened again, wide.' He spoke under his breath as if he were alone. Visionary, pioneer, American, perhaps that is what we are. Suddenly the endurance in his voice went down before a wave of bitterness. The first pioneers had to wait, too. How could they stand it so long? The young shoulders drooped as he thrust stiff fingers deep into his coat pockets. He slowly withdrew his right hand, holding a parcel wrapped in brown paper. He tore a flap in the cover looked at the brightly colored contents and returned to the parcel, returned the parcel, his chin a little higher. Dan watched the northern skyline restlessly. It won't be snow. Look like a blizzard to you, Hylas? The traveler sat up blizzard? Yes, Dan drawled the real Dakota article where blizzards are made. "'None of your eastern imitations, but a 90 mile wind. "'Only one good thing about a blizzard, it's over in a hurry. "'You get to shelter, or you freeze to death.' A gust of wind flung a powder of snow stingingly against their faces. The traveler withdrew his head turtle-wise within the handsome collar in final condemnation. No man in his senses would ever have deliberately come here to live. Dan turned. "'Wouldn't, eh?' No. You're American? Yes. Why? I was born here. It's my country. Ever read about your pilgrim fathers? Why, of course. Frontiersmen, same as we. You're living on what they did. We're getting this frontier ready for those who come after. Want our children to have a better chance than we had. Our reasons, same as theirs. Country's all right if we had a railroad. Humph, with a contemptuous look across the desert. Where's your freight, your grain, cattle? Westbound freight, coal, feed, seed grain, and more neighbors. One-sided bargain, a road that hauls empties one way doesn't pay. The angles of Dan's jaw showed white. Maybe. Ever get a chance to pay your debt to those pilgrim pioneers? Ever take it? think the stock was worth saving he lifted his whip handle toward a pinpoint of light across the stretch of snow miss clark lives there a mile back from the stage road clark's down in yankton earning money to keep them going she's alone with her baby holding down the claim the whip stock followed the empty horizon half round the compass to a light red square two miles away Miss Carson died in the spring. Carson stayed until he was too poor to get away. There are three children. Oldest's Katie, just eleven. Dan's words failed, but his eyes told. Somebody will brag of them as ancestors some day. Dan's jaw squared as he leveled his whip handle straight at the traveler. I've answered your questions. Now you answer mine. We know your opinion of the country. You're not traveling for pleasure or your health. "'What are you here for?' "'Business. My own. "'There's two kinds of business out here this time of year. "'Tisn't healthy for either of them.' "'Dan's words were measured and clipped. "'A gray film dropped down over the world, "'a leaden shroud that was not the coming of twilight. "'Dan jerked about, his whip cracked over the heads of the horses, "'and they broke into a quick trot. "'Hylas!' Dan's voice came sharply. Stand up and look for the light on Clark's guide pole about a mile to the right. God help us if it isn't burning. Hylas struggled up, one clumsy mitten thatching his eyes. I don't see it, Dan. We can't be more than a mile away. Hadn't you better break toward it? Got to keep the track till we see light. The wind tore the words from his mouth. The leaders disappeared in a wall of snow, but Dan's lash whistled forward in reminding authority. There was a moment's lull. See it, Hylas? No, Dan. Tiger-like, the storm leaped again. The horses swerved, bunched, backed, tangled. Dan stood up, shouting his orders above the storm. Again a breathing space. As it came, Hylas shouted, I see it! There, Dan! It's a red light! She's in trouble! The sled lunged out of the road into unbroken drifts. Again the leader swung sidewise before the lashing wind. Dan swore, prayed, mastered them with far-reaching lash. Then the off-leader went down. Dan felt behind him for Hylus and shoved the reins against his arm. "'I'll get get him up, or cut leaders loose. If I don't come back, drive to light. Don't get out!' dan disappeared in the white fury there were sounds of a struggle the sled jerked sharply and stood still slowly it strained forward hylas was standing one foot outside on the runner as they traveled a team's length ahead he gave a cry dan dan and gripped a fury bulk furry bulk that lumbered up out of the drift all right son dan reached for the reins frantically they fought their slow way toward the blurred light staggering on in a fight with the odds to s- too savage to last they stopped abruptly as the winded leaders leaned against a wall which loomed between themselves and the f- fury dan stepped over the dashboard and groped his way along the tongue between the wheel horses it's the shed hylas help get the team in THE EXHAUSTED ANIMALS CROWDED INTO THE NARROW SPACE WITHOUT PROTEST. FIND THE GUIDE ROPE TO THE HOUSE, DAN. ON THE OTHER SIDE, TOWARD THE SHACK, WHERE'S SMITH? HERE BY THE SHED. DAN TURNED TOWARD THE STRANGER'S VOICE. WE'RE GOING ROUND TO THE BLIZZARD LINE, TIED FROM SHED TO SHACK. TAKE HOLD OF IT AND DON'T LET GO. IF YOU DO, YOU'LL FREEZE BEFORE WE CAN FIND YOU. WHEN THE WIND COMES, TURN YOUR BACK AND WAIT go on when it dies down and never let go the rope. Ready? The winds dropped. Here, Hylas, next to me. Three blurs hugged the sod walls around to the northeast corner. The forward shadow reached upward to a swaying rope, lifted the hand of the second who guided the third. Hang on to my belt too, Hylas. Ready? Smith? Got the rope? They crawled forward three barely visible figures, six, eight, ten steps. With a shriek, the wind tore at them, beat the breath from their bodies, cut them with stinging needle points, and threw them aside. Dan reached back to make sure of Hylas, who fumbled through the darkness for the stranger. Slowly they struggled ahead, the cold growing more intense. Two steps, four, against the mounting fury of the blizzard. And then... The rope broke. Dan, clinging to the broken cord, rolled over and found Hylus with the frayed end of the line in his hand, reaching about through the drifts for the stranger. Dan crept closer his mouth at Hylus's ear, shouting, Quick! Right behind me if we're to live through it! The next moment Hylus let go the rope, Dan reached madly. Boy, you can't find him! It'll only be two instead of one! Hylus! "'Hylas!' the storm screamed louder than the plainsman and began heaping the snow over three obstructions in its path, two that groped slowly and one that lay still. Dan fumbled at his belt, unfastened it, slipped the rope through the buckle, knotted it, and crept its full length back toward the boy. A snow-covered something moved forward, guiding another, one arm groping in blind search, reaching— reached and touched the man clinging the belt. Beaten and buffeted by the ceaseless fury, they slowly fought their way, hand over hand along the rope, Dan now crawling last. After a frozen eternity, they reached the end of the line, fastened man high against a second haven of wall. Hylas pushed open the unlocked door. The three men staggered in and fell panting against the side of the room. The stage driver recovered first. Pulling off his mittens, examined his fingers and felt quickly of his nose, ears, and chin. He looked sharply at Hylas and nodded. They stripped off the stranger's gloves, reached for a pan, opened the door, dipped it into the drift, and plunged Smith's fingers down in the snow. Your nose is white, too. Thaw it out. I'm... THE STRANGER'S VOICE WAS UNSTEADY. AYE, BUT DAN HAD TURNED HIS BACK AND HIS ATTENTION TO THE HOMESTEADER. THE EIGHT-BY-TEN ROOM MADE UP THE ENTIRE HOME. A BED IN ONE CORNER TOOK UP MOST OF THE SPACE. THE ROUGH BOARDS OF THE ROOF AND WALLS HAD BEEN HIDDEN BY A COVERING OF NEWSPAPERS. CUSHIONS AND CURTAINS OF TURKEY RED CALICO BRIGHTENED THE SHACK. The driver had slipped off his buffalo coat and was bending over a baby, exhaustedly fighting for breath, that whist- that whistled shrilly through a closing throat. The mother, scarcely more than a girl, held the baby in tensely extended arms. How long's she been this way? She began to choke up day before yesterday, just after you passed on the down trip. "'The driver laid big fingertips on the restless wrist. "'She always has the croup when she cuts a tooth, Dan, "'but this is different. "'I've used all the medicines I have. "'Nothing relieves the choking.' "'The girl lifted heavy eyelids, "'and the compelling terror back of her eyes "'forced a question through dry lips. "'Dan, do you know what membranes croup is like? Membranous croup is like? "'Is this it?' The stage driver picked up the lamp and held it close to the child's face. He frowned, putting the lamp back quickly. "'Maybe it is, Miss Clark, but don't you be scared. We'll help you a spell.' Dan lifted the red curtains from the cupboard, found an emptied lard pail, half-filled it with water, and placed it on the oil stove. He looked questioningly about, discovered a toolbox beneath the cupboard shelves, sorted out a pair of pincers, "'and bits of iron, laying the ladder in a row over the oil blaze. "'He turned to the girl and opened his lips as if to speak. "'Along the four-foot space between the end of the bed "'and the opposite wall, the girl walked, "'crooning to the sick child she carried. "'As they watched, the low song died away. "'Her shoulders rubbed heavily against the boarding. "'Her eyelids dropped, and she stood sound asleep. "'The next hard-drawn breath of the baby roused her, "'and she stumbled on. "'Crooning a lullaby, Smith clutched the younger man's shoulder. "'Hylas, look where she's marked the wall rubbing against it. "'Do you suppose she's been walking that way for three days and nights? "'Why, she's only a child, no older than my own daughter.' "'Hylas nodded. "'Where are her people? Where's her husband?' "'Down in Yankton, Dan told you, working for the winter. "'Gotta have the money to live. "'Where's the doctor?' "'Nearest one's in Haney, four days' trip by stage.' "'The traveller stared frowningly. "'Dan was looking about the room again, "'and after prodding the gay seat in the corner, "'lifted the cover, picked up a folded blanket, "'and hung it over the back of a chair. "'Miss Clark, there's nothing but steam "'will touch membranous croup. "'We saved my baby that way last year. "'Sit here and I'll fix things.' "'He put the steaming lard pail on the floor beside the mother "'and lifted the blanket over the baby's head. "'She put up her hand. "'She's so little, Dan, and weak. "'How am I going to know if she... if she... "'Dan rearranged the blanket tent. "'Just get under with her yourself, Miss Clark. "'Then you'll know all that's happening. "'With the pincers, he picked up a bit of hot iron "'and dropped it hissing into the pail, which he pushed beneath the tent. The room was oppressively quiet, walled in by the thick sod from the storm. The blanket muffled the sound of the child's breathing and the girl no longer stumbled against the wall. Dan lifted the corner of the blanket and another bit of iron hissed as it struck the water. Smith leaned toward Hylas. Stove? Fire? With a gesture of protest against the inadequate oil blaze, Hylas whispered, Can't afford it. Coal is nine dollars in Haney, eighteen dollars here.' They sat with heads thrust forward, listening in the silence. Dan lifted the blanket, hearkened a moment, then, psst, another bit of iron fell into the pail. Dan stooped to the tool chest for a reserve supply when a strangling cough made him spring to his feet and hurriedly lift the blanket. The child was beating the air with tiny fists, fighting for breath. The mother stood rigid, arms out. Turn her this way. Dan shifted the struggling child face out. Now watch out for the... The strangling cough broke in a horrible something. It's the membrane. She's too weak. Let me have her. Dan snatched the child and turned it face downward. The blue-faced baby fought in a supreme effort. Again, the horrible something. Then Dan laid the child, white and motionless, in his mother's arms. She held the limp body close to... "'Her her eyes wide with fear. "'Dan, is... is she?' "'A faint sobbing breath of relief "'fluttered the pale lips that moved in "'the merest ghost of a smile. "'The heavy eyelids half-lifted "'and the child nestled against its mother's breast. "'The girl swayed, shaking with sobs. "'Baby, baby!' "'She struggled for self-control "'and stood up straight and pale. "'Dan, I ought to tell you... When it began to get dark with the storm and time to put up the lantern, I was afraid to leave the baby. If she strangled, when I was gone, with no one to help her, she would die. Her lips quivered as she drew the child closer. I didn't go right away, but I did at last. I propped her up in bed and ran. If I hadn't... Her eyes were wide with the shadowy edge of horror. If I hadn't, you'd have been lost in the blizzard and my baby would have died. She stood before the men as if for judgment, her face wet with tears. Dan patted her shoulder dumbly and touched a fresh, livid bruise that ran from the curling hair on her temple down across the cheek and chin. Did you get this then? She nodded. The storm threw me against the pole when I hoisted the lantern. I thought I'd never get back. It was Smith who translated Dan's look of appeal for the cup of warm milk and held it to the girl's lips drink it miss clark you need it she made heroic attempts to swallow her head drooped lower over the cup and fell against the driver's rough sleeve poor kid she's dead asleep dan guided her stumbling feet toward the bed that the traveler sprang to open she guarded the baby in the protecting angle of her arm into safety upon the pillow "'then fell like a log beside her. "'Poor kid, but she's grit-clear through. "'Dan walked to the window, "'looked out at the lessening storm, "'then at the tiny alarm clock on the cupboard. "'Be over pretty soon now.' "'He seated himself by the table, "'dropped his head wearily forward on folded arms, "'and was asleep. "'The traveler's face had lost some of its shrewdness. "'He moved restlessly along the bench, "'then stepped softly to the side of the bed "'and straightened the coverlet While his lips twitched, he looked about the room, picked up the gray kitten sleeping contentedly on the floor, and settled it on the red cushion. He examined with curiosity the few books carefully covered in a corner shelf, took down an old hand tooled volume, and lifted his eyebrows at the ancient coat of arms on the book plate. He tiptoed across to the bench and pointed to the script beneath the plate Edward Winslow, seven to his dear daughter, Alice, eight. He motioned toward the bed. Her name? Hylas nodded. Smith grinned. Dan's right, blood will tell, even to damning the rest of us. He sat down on the bench. I understand more now than I did, Hylas, since you crawled back after me out there. But how can you stand it here? Hylas spoke slowly. I think you have to live here to know. It means something to be a pioneer. You can't be one if you've got it in your, in you to be a quitter. He reached for his great coat, bringing out a brown paper parcel. He smiled at it oddly and went on as if talking to himself. When the drought and the hot winds come in the summer and the burn of the buffalo grass to a tinder— "'There's a common, low-growing cactus scattered over the prairie "'that blooms into the gayest red flower you ever saw. "'It wouldn't count for much anywhere else, "'but the pluck of it without rain for months, "'it's the color of courage.' "'He turned the torn parcel showing the bright red within "'and looked at the cupboard and window with shining tired eyes. "'Up and down the frontier in these shacks, homes, You'll find things made of turkey red calico, cheap common elsewhere. He fingered the three-cornered flap. It's our colors. He put the parcel back in his pocket. I bought two yards yesterday after I got a letter at Haney. Smith sat, looking at the gay curtains before him. The fury of the storm was dying down. Dan stirred, looked quickly toward the bed, then the window, and got up quietly. I'll hitch up. We'll stop at Peterson's and tell his wife to come over. He closed the door noiselessly. The traveler was frowning intently. Finally he turned toward the boy who sat with his head leaning back against the wall, eyes closed. Hylas? His very tones were awkward. They call me a shrewd businessman. I am. It's a selfish job, and I'm... Not reforming now, but twice tonight, you... "'Children have risked your lives without thought for a stranger. "'I've been thinking about that railroad. "'Haven't you raised any grain or cattle that could be used for freight?' "'The low answer was toneless. "'Drought killed the crops. "'Prairie fires burned the hay. "'The cattle starved. "'There's no timber or nothing that could be used for eastbound shipment?' "'The boy looked searchingly into the face of the man.' "'There's no timber this side of the Missouri. "'Across the river, it's reservation. Sioux. "'We?' he frowned and stopped. "'Smith stood up, his hands thrust deep in his pockets. "'I admitted I was shrewd, Hylas, "'but I'm not yellow clear through. "'I had a man along here last fall spying for minerals. "'That's why I'm out here now. "'If you know the location, and we both think you do,' "'I'll put capital in your way to develop the mines "'and use what pull I have to get the railroad.' "'He looked down at the boy and thrust out a masterful jaw. "'There was a ring of sincerity no one could mistake when he spoke again. "'This country's a desert now, but I'd back the Sahara people with your kind. (coughs) "'Hylas, don't tell me you won't believe I'm American enough to trust.' The boy tried to speak. With clenched hands, he struggled for self-control. Finally, in a ragged whisper, "'If I try to tell you what it means, I can't talk. "'Dan and I know of outcropping coal over the buttes, "'but we haven't had enough money to file mining claims.' "'Nowhere to dig for samples under the snow?' The boy nodded. "'Some in my shack, too,' I... His head went down upon the crossed arms. "'Smith laid an awkward hand on the heaving shoulders, "'then rose and crossed the room "'to where the girl had stumbled in her vigil. "'Gently he touched the darkened streak "'where her shoulders had rubbed and blurred the newspaper print. "'He looked from the white desert outside "'to the gray, gay bravery within and bent his head. "'Turkey Red Calico "'Pioneers, oh pioneers!' Come, my tan-faced children, follow well in order, get your weapons ready. Have you your pistols? Have you your sharp-edged axes? Pioneers, O oh pioneers! For we can't not tarry here. We must march, my darlings, we must bear the brunt of danger. We, the youthful, sinewy races, all the rest on us depend. Pioneers, O oh pioneers! Oh, you youths, Western youths, so impatient, full of action, full of manly pride and friendship, plain I see to you, Western youths, see you tramping with the foremost. Pioneers, O pioneers, have the elder races halted? Do they droop and end their lesson, wearied over there beyond the seas? We take up the task eternal, and the burden and the lesson, pioneers, O pioneers, all the past we leave behind, we debark upon a newer, mightier world. Varied world, fresh and strong the world we seize, world of labor and the march. Pioneers, O pioneers, we detachments steady throwing, down the edges, through the passes, up the mountain steep, conquering, holding, daring, Venturing as we go to the unknown ways, pioneers, O oh pioneers! We primeval forests felling, we the rivers stemming, vexing we and piercing deep the mines within, we the surface broad, surveying, we the virgin soil upheaving, pioneers, O oh pioneers!